shadowing us right behind us, right on the side of us. You could, you could kind of see the thing moving through the woods. Uh, all I can remember is flipping the light on, and I see this creature, and I knew, I knew in my heart, I knew in my mind, in the whole night, that this isn't a man. And then this thing walks across the road, takes a turn towards us, and then leaps over a guardrail. Went to look forward, and there was a big black thing, is all I can Squatch DTV, exploring the Bigfoot mystery each week with your hosts, veteran researcher, author, and TV personality, the Squatch detective, Steve Culls, and from the Bigfoot Research Project of Kentucky, Chris Bennett. Sit back and buckle up as we bring you guests from around North America discussing the Bigfoot phenomena, but not without a few laughs, too. Here are your hosts, Steve and Chris. And good evening, cyberspace. Welcome to Squatch DTV for today's date, May 9th, 2021. Happy Mother's Day to all you mothers out there. And all the mothers in heaven, happy Mother's Day, guys. And uh, I'm your host, your guide, the Squatch Detective, Steve Coles. Well, I'm flying solo tonight because Chris is off this week. Got a little bit of a back problem. How long has he had it? Eh, about a week back. Um, so anyway, I'm kind of, uh, it's just me and Mr. Steenberg tonight. How you doing, Tom? I'm doing fine, sir. I'm doing fine. And I didn't forget to phone my mother this morning. So. Good man. <laughs> Good man, my you know I I tried, but you know the long distance bill would have killed me because he's upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, like, uh, as we we normally do, let's do the shout outs for this week. I see B Lynn in our chat room. Hello, B. Hello, eyes see an enigma. He's back again. Welcome back. Um. Good to see you, Ammon Chris. Hello, Ammon. Good to see you, John Swan. Good to see you, my brother, Aaron Mollenkamp. Camp, good to see you. 
We got the Western New York Bigfoot organization. Ah, there he is. Uh, he said he tried to get in early, so he wasn't in the nosebleed seats. So, <laughs> and of course, we got Christy London in. Hello, we're uh, we were trying to get Mike to come on. I think he's having a little transmission issues. And Mike was going to be the backup co-host tonight. And uh, nope. And of course, we got a uh, here's new uh, Arthur. Welcome, Arthur Lockbeard. Welcome to the show. Good to see you. I know you. I I think we saw you over at uh, Squatch Talk a couple of weeks ago. Welcome to Squatch DTV. Kenneth Collins, welcome, Ken. It's been a been a bit. Glad to see you back. Uh, who else? Oh, Brian and Chewy go hiking. Hello, Brian. Good to see you. Uh, Frank Smith from the UK. Hello, Frank. Good to see you. I hope things are okay over the pond, and I hope you guys are getting through your COVID dilemma soon. Bob Lemley is in the house. There he is. Hello, Bob. Jimmy Trick. Good to see you, sir. And of course, we got my my good friend. Uh, where oh, we. We got Rick uh, from from Mineral Point, Wisconsin. Hello, hello. And um, who else we got? We got, uh, I saw Mackie James in there somewhere. And my, my good buddy, uh, Austin. So we will, uh, let's start the show. So, um, you know, let's, let's hop to it since we have nothing to jib-jab about. Usually Chris and I will banter about something silly. And we got Diane in the house who's yelling hi at Christy. Welcome, Diane. Um, and uh, Adam and Chris is asking, because we, we talked about that earlier before the show, is Bigfoot going to call in? <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> uh, I'm sorry, Bigfoot can call in, but we don't have Igor or Igor or whatever you want to call him. We don't have him on the show to interpret, so <laughs> it would just be babble. Um, of course, we got Jerry's in the house. Hello, hello. And uh, Nikki is in the house as well. Hello, Nikki. And... Uh, What's up? Besides my blood pressure and my cholesterol, I have no idea. Uh, anyway, um, and of course, Charlie Wonton in the house. We haven't seen Charlie in a couple of weeks. There he is. So, but anyway, Tom, we, we last time we had you on, we we got in this big discussion about the uh, the the massacre debate, and uh, we can put that behind us since that was many months ago. And I want to get into you. I, I want to get into how you got started into the Bigfoot business and and some of your, your you, you've been on a lot of different exploits. It looks, you know, amazing. And I want to talk, especially like the, to me, the Jacko stuff you did was just amazing because you brought that 1800, 1800 newspaper story to life on your videos. So that was really cool too. So, um, so anyway, um, how did you get started in this? I was a weird kid growing up. I was a weird, weird kid growing up. Uh, you know, growing up in the 1960s. And, of course, back then, the only guys who were really doing much in this whole Sasquatch question was, you know, the late John Green, the late Reddy DeHendon, and people like that. And it all started for me one day when uh, my parents, I think it was like 1965 or something like that, 1966, for me and my sister brought home for, you know, education purposes, a hardcover Reader's Digest book. And in that book, you know, it had paragraphs and chapters on anything you could think of, from volcanoes to hurricanes to tornadoes to nature to this to that. And, of course, it had a big section in the middle of the book on, on the age of the dinosaurs with those beautiful color paintings in there which the, you know, most uh, 
uh, dinosaur experts say were wrong. You know, they told us Brontosaurus was so heavy, he had to spend all this time in the water. <laughs> yeah. T Rex standing straight up, dragging his tail on the ground. And uh, of course, paleontologists know none of that is true now. And uh, and right in the middle of that dinosaur section, there was a little two-page article with the usual three blurry black and white pictures called "The Thing in Loch Ness." I don't know something, some switch, and uh, and of course, the term cryptozoology wasn't really used all that much. But something snapped. I must have read that damn thing eighty times. And I started pestering my parents for more information. They eventually got me a library card because, again, there were no computers or anything like that. If you wanted to learn something, you had to yep. read about it in books. Amazing so, that. <laughs> yeah, so I had to go down and trying to find more on this so-called Loch Ness Monster. I started reading about this thing in Western Canada called the Sasquatch. And the United States, they called it Bigfoot. And I got, and I knew at a very young age, I was never going to move to Scotland. So, <laughs> but I think what really did was not too long after that, uh, on a school night when I should have been in bed, I came downstairs and my parents were watching uh, a movie uh, on the black and white TV in the living room. And, you know, I walked around the corner and I, I expected the, the usual from my father. Hey boy, it's a school night. What are you doing? I'll come back on that. You know, that guy. <laughs> But he didn't. And as I recall, his words were around something like, hey, the lad's interested in this sort of thing. Maybe we ought to let him watch this. And my mother gave the, oh, no, he can't watch this. Oh, bad dream. You know, that kind of thing. Keep uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But my father won the argument. I was allowed to watch whatever they were watching. I'm sure he's regretted that victory ever since. And what was playing was that old hammer horror film the abominable snowman in the himalayas and it was sasquatch from that day on <laughs> <laughs> hey look who uh look who decided to show up we got mike mike ann is going to be our special guest co-host deep in the woods as you can see oh hey mike hello sir how are you doing how are you guys all doing tonight we Good. are wonderful we're glad you could make it i knew you had to get in position probably somewhere to get a signal <laughs> Uh, yeah, and, and it's uh, for May in Western New York, where it was like 60 yesterday. Uh, we're looking at about, I don't know, a quarter inch of snow on the road right now. Sure you aren't in Canada? Uh, well, you know, we are Western New York. It's only an hour and a half to the fall. So, yeah, we could be. All right. There we go. So that's that easy. So <clears throat> so tell, tell me, you know, how did you start your research? I mean, aside from, I mean, reading and, you know, I, when, you know, you kind of made me laugh when you talked about going to a library because I wonder if kids even know what those old card catalogs were or the, yeah. or the index, the, the library indexing system. Was that the Dewey index system? I forget what they called it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, but, yeah. You know, I mean, I remember going to school and they taught you how libraries index books. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, it was strange. And, of course, most of the books and what I was interested in was usually stuffed in with stuff on ghosts and all kinds of other things because you could tell they, they didn't treat it as a serious subject. But what, what really got me going was when I was in my early years, uh, I was just completed in the late 70s when I was posted to Alberta when I was doing my time in the Army, Canadian Army, 1st Battalion, PBCLI. I saw the Rocky Mountains for the first time in my life one morning coming out of the base because we got bust in the tour of the regimental museum. Uh, 
and uh, and uh, I looked at them, and it looked like a phony. It was a beautiful, clear winter's day, and they have what they call a Chinook, where the it was perfectly clear. And the Rocky Mountains were right there before me. I had never seen them before in my life, and it looked like a phony Hollywood backdrop. You know, it was that clear. I must have stood there for like 20 minutes just staring at him. And I thought, and I made two decisions. I said, one, I'm never going to live anywhere east of this line ever again. And two, if they've been seen in Western British Columbia or in Eastern British Columbia, they have to be seen here too. So what I did is I, I took out an ad in the Southern Alberta press at the time. And the ad was quite simple. Sasquatch, anyone who believes they've had a sign of this creature, please contact Thomas Steamer to the phone number. And I never really expected much of a result. But I tell you, my phone was almost ringing on a daily basis. Hmm. Yeah, and this wasn't too far from the old dairy farm where Ray DeHinning got his start 20 years before me. You know, right in, the way, right in that beautiful view of the Rocky Mountains and Calgary... Oh, west of calgary alberta uh and i got contacted by the late professor vladimir makotic if you remember that name i do not I yeah he was a he was a professor of anthropology and archaeology at the university of calgary and he he co-authored and put together that book with the late grover Krant, sasquatch and other unknown hominids okay right and that's true and and Vladimir, I mean, introducing him. Vladimir was a senior citizen even back then, and he couldn't get around much anymore. So basically, we, we kind of became unofficial partners. He did the academic stuff, and I went out and did the, the field investigations, and we, we co-opted. And uh, he wrote the forward for, for my first book, which came out in 89, The Sasquatch in Alberta. And, uh, and through Vladimir and uh, time, I, I met the late John Green. I met the late Bob Timmis. I met the late Grover Krantz. I met the late Rennie Danden. And I got to know all these gentlemen very well, became friends with them all, managed to do research with them all. And I was fortunate enough never, ever, like so many others, to get sucked into their personal wars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There were so many uh, people who... Uh, if Rennie, if uh, Rennie found out he was seen uh, working with Titmus, Rennie wouldn't have anything to do with him, and vice versa. But for some reason, they never held it against me. I don't know why. Rennie would always go. Rennie would always say things like, well, "What does that Titmus say about this or that?" <laughs> and I just simply tell him, "I'm not going to tell you, Rennie. I won't tell him what you said. And I won't tell you what he said he didn't like it but he never held it against me and i still to this day wonder why but it did it, it, it worked out though and that's how i got started wow and, and that's that's a great start having a partner you know a, a, that that is actually a scientist yes yes and he was one of the few him and the late grover kratz at the time were one of the few uh never really met john napier he, he had passed away before then and uh and uh and boy, did they ever get a lot of heat from their fellow academics back then for even having an interest in this kind of sure. thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, what my, that's why my driver yeah. tonight's anonymous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> His driver is a scientist. <laughs> we'll leave it at yeah. that. It's, it's a, I guess they're getting not as much heat today, but they sure did back then. It was like a taboo subject. 
you know, in, in Britain, there was always a bad term in, in, in the halls of, of academia and science, the road to Loch Ness, and it was not a good road to be on if you were a young professor trying to get a, make your, your mark in the world of anthropology or zoology or whatever it happened to be. You know, we, you know we, 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 Mike, we could put him on if he just puts his mask up and his hat down, and we can call him, you know, Do- Dr. Elvin Dorwinkle. You know, we can call him. Well, yes, I just want to on that side of the truck. So, yes. what does Doctor Dorwingle teach? Yes, I teach home economics, and uh, we teach how to bake cakes. And no, no, <laughs> there's a lot of chemistry involved with baking, as you all know. Um, so anyway, um, <clears throat> but anywho, uh, so okay, so let's let's take a little diversion here because. You knew, you know, three of the four horsemen. Mm-hmm. And um, if you could sum up maybe in one sentence, uh, I'll just go down the list. John Green. Strictly zoological, gentlemen, and uh, common sense to the hilt. Uh, Grover Krantz. A brilliant uh, scientist, open-minded, and not afraid to take the crap. And we will allow you to say more than one sentence about Rennie de Hinden. Rennie was Renee. There's no other way to describe <laughs> it. <laughs> I'll never forget his his comment about uh, Kiwani lapsaritis. <laughs> <laughs> He's had 267 sightings in his mind. It's like saying... You've had sex so, like 267 times, but never got laid. <laughs> it was actually, he's had so much whatever encounters. That's like saying you've had 260 sexual encounters, but never got laid. <laughs> <laughs> you know the quote. <clears throat> oh, my God. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. and just so you all know, Mick the Meatloaf, Sai, uh, yeah, Sai is in the house, and Jordy Warner is in the house. Hello, Jordan, and Nani is here as well. Want to make sure we throw out, and of course, Central Florida Bigfoot is in the house as well. Welcome, one, welcome all. Um, that 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 is great. Now, is it true? You know, I know Renee really. Was at odds with Grover, was at odds with John, was at odds with Peter Byrne. Obviously, I think everybody was at odds with Peter Burnham. <laughs> um, uh, was, I mean, how did John and Grover get along? You know? Oh, very, very well. They're yeah. very good friends. They got along very, very well. And uh, Rene, he, he, he just thought that, and I was a little, at first, I was a little bit more on Grover's side than that because it, what, what caused him to sour on Grover was Grover's support for the late Paul Freeman and his findings. Yeah. You see, because as far as Rennie was concerned, it was all nonsense. Yeah. I, had to, I had to admit at first that I thought Paul Freeman and his initial encounter in 1982 when he was a watershed ranger was authentic. Mm. And I defended him a lot longer. I knew Paul Freeman. Um, uh, as a human being, you couldn't ask for an nicer guy. If the world were filled with Paul Freeman, the world would be a better place. But for some reason on this subject, and th- I'm only expressing my opinion, uh, Ivan Mark syndrome. 
Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So you, you, you think the Freeman film is not authentic? In, in my opinion, it isn't. And which okay. film are you talking about? He took two. The uh, the the one where uh, the famous one where you say, there "Oh, there goes." Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I can't really back this up. But in my opinion, I think it's his son Dwayne in a suit because Dwayne's a real big man, like Paul is. Gotcha. In my opinion, and I think it's the same suit they tried to use once before, and as well as several still photographs and years before that as well. Yeah, and Dwayne's a hell of a nice guy too, but for some reason he was just helping his father out and making up a lot of stuff. And when I call it Ivan Marks syndrome, Ivan Marks, if you know, you know, remember who that was, he was a guy back who was really heavily involved in the 60s and 70s, came to prominence during the Bosberg Cripple incidents in 1969-70. And Ivan Marks, um, it's like I said, was probably involved in, in that, and he was kind of like um, later on, he started faking films and making up stories. He was a generally a yarn spinner. Yep. And 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 I I call Ivan Mark syndrome because that's a guy who's a researcher who may have been involved in something authentic once. It's the center of attention for a while, and when that attention dies down. Uh, the attention apparently was more important than the subject, so they start making stuff up to remain the set of attention, and it works until they get caught. Yep, yep, yeah. Now, now, see, I always, I always had an air of suspicion about the Bosberg track. Yeah, because it was Ivan Marks that found it. Yeah. Well, actually, uh, Rennie always told me. I always asked him, "Do you feel that Ivan?" Because he was with Ivan. Yes. You know, yep. That line of tracks you're looking at, that he said, he goes, no, it was me who said, let's go look down there. Now, okay. maybe, maybe I just picked the right way and he had it up. I don't know. But he said, I found them. Yep. And I told Ivan, Ivan was looking on the other side of the road. I called him over. Okay. And, because yeah. according to, to his book, uh, the uh, written with him and Don Hunter, mm -hmm. Uh, it was Marx that pulled over and jumped out of the car and said, I'm going to check this area. Mm -hmm. That then, area. But and, Rennie and, went down the road and uh, and took another look. Okay. And that's where he found the tracks, right across a fence, right by a railway line. Okay. Yeah. And he, that's why he always felt. And there was variance in them, too. You don't see that because you always see the same right. two two castings that Rennie actually poured. But the rather actually castings in the cripple foot, the deformed one, there are other castings where you see the toes in different positions and stuff like that. It was a really interesting find. Maybe it was because even Ivan then, at the time when all that was starting to sell down, he claimed to have shot a film of the crippled creature, which is obviously fake. Yep. Right. And that got exposed. So I, yep. I so because he was the first example that I called. I call the whole thing whenever anyone goes off in that direction. I call it Ivan Mark syndrome. And of course, oh, we got uh, somebody new in in the uh, chat. I just want to throw a hello out to Blue Daxi. Welcome, welcome to the show. And we also got Terry in the house too. And Terry has a question. How do you feel about the PG film? Of course, I'm pretty sure I know how you feel about it. But go right ahead. In my opinion, in October 20, 1967, if the Sasquatch does indeed exist, and I do believe it does, I believe. Uh, Roger Patterson and Bob Gillen filmed one that day. There you have it. Yep. Um, Do you want to talk about that for a little bit? If you'd like to. Sure. Um, 
I've no, I know Bob Goodman. He's, uh, we're good friends. I've known him for 30 years, and I just cannot believe he's been lying to my face for 30 years. Yeah. Roger Patterson, I never met. He died of Hodgkin's lymphoma in 1972. Uh, but what I've learned of him in the Yakima area, um, you guys remember an old show on television called Green Acres? Sure do. Well, there was a character in that show called Mr. Haney, and Roger kind of reminds me of that guy. Everybody in town knew him. Most people really liked him, but everybody also knew, for God's sake, don't lend him any money because you'll never get it back. <laughs> that was Roger Patterson. And, and Roger became involved in the Sasquatch phenomena just a couple of years before he got the film. And the year before, he published his book, Do a Bottom of Snowman in North America Really Exist, which was a self-published book. And he tried to uh, start his own sort of like Bigfoot group at the time. And uh, and they said it was awful funny. People were sending him money, and and, and you see Roger opening up, taking the cash, throwing the applications for his group in the trash can next to him. That, that, was, that was Roger Patterson. And he went to the... Uh, the Shepherd's Camera Shop in Yakima when he was going up to Mount St. Helens with Bob and he rented There it is. This guy. You know, a Cine Kodak K100, Springwell movie camera. You can see that all right. This is the same type of camera that Roger Patterson used. That Hang on, we're going to... Uh, why don't you hold that bad boy up again? Uh, once yeah. Let me see if I can't get... Uh, I, I still haven't figured out how to... Um, Click on him and drag it over, Steve, and it, it uh, should drag. Should be able to drag his screen. Uh, Tom's screen. There, there you go. There you go. Yeah, hang up. Oh, that's on the other side. She's like, mm -hmm. keep moving the wrong way. It's spring wound, eh? Spring wound movie cam. You got the dial, you got the trigger, and you got the handle here. And you spring wind this thing. The Kate took a hundred rolls, hundred foot rolls, right? This camera was actually dis this type of camera was actually discontinued in 1964. But there's still a lot of them around, right? And you have this little trigger here. You push down or up to get it to go. You push down. Can you hear it going? Yep. Yeah. Yep. But you let go of it, and it stops automatically. And twice during the sequence that Roger was filming, he stopped filming. And that's why you get two frames that are, are terribly overexposed. And if you look at the dial of this thing, the dials have... Oh, 14 frames per second, uh, 64 frames per second on it, 48 frames per second, uh, 57 frames per second, and 24. There's no 18 frames per second on the dial. But what a lot of people don't know is a lot of these cameras in the early 1960s, were they, they messed around with the inner workings to have them shoot at 18 frames per second, but they never bothered to change any of the dials. Gotcha. So they didn't know. And of course, Roger being Roger, he just ran to the camera. He knew he was shown how to how to load it, how to look through it, and how to pull the trigger. So he never knew what he had the dial set at. <laughs> he never knew the key information as to what type of lens he had on it. Right. Have we ever figured out what type of lens it was? Well, this kind of this lens. It's probably the standard. Yeah, I can't see it in the light very well here. So you had that camera how long, and you don't even know. 
but they were removable and interchangeable but in this type you had to unscrew it take it out and put another one on later on they came out with the you know the turret with the different lenses on it but roger had one of these fixed now, lens now according to mick uh mick uh Sion said that uh roger also had two different lenses is that do you know that to be true or not or i have no idea if that's true or not uh, as far as I know, Roger was just rented the camera. He took it, failed to return it. They issued a warrant for his arrest, <laughs> and he eventually had to give it back. That's because he rented it for this little trip up in the Mount St. Helens region with Bob. And when he got back, he had a message from John Green about the tracks being found in the Blue Creek Mountain region. Uh, that investigation went on in 60, uh, late August, early September. So he rushed down there because at the time, Roger was going to film his own little homemade documentary. He thought he could do that. And he wanted to get pictures of tracks. You know, I'm, I'm sure he hoped. Yeah. And I don't know if you can see that, but Central Florida Bigfoot stated, sounds like your typical Bigfoot researcher, not knowing their gear. <laughs> yeah. He was basically just renting a camera, and he knew how to load it, aim it, and shoot. And that's about it. Yeah. And that, and that morning, they went off going back to an area they'd already been through three times before. Roger always felt that, uh, and and Bob, they always felt that maybe the sound of the creek had muffled their approach, and that's why they were able to surprise her. I'm not sure if I agree with that. I think maybe that Patty was probably watching them approach, and she only reacted because the horses did. The horses panicked, and she knew she had been spotted, and she did what they do 98% of the time. She walked away. The only difference between this and so many other times before is Roger being a rodeo ride was able to maintain control a little bit when the horse almost bucked him off and he was able to grab there's a story and one time even roger said the horse fell on him bending a stirrup but according to bob he said no uh, i didn't see that happen roger managed to get off the horse and he grabbed the the camera out of the saddle bag and started filming so those first frames uh you see and they're jumping roger's filming as he's running and he goes down, and because he was such a short man, he was only between 5'2 and 5'3 inches tall, he came up on the other side right by uh, that S-stick, and it, was, it wasn't until he passed that S-stick that he, uh, got, he filmed those famous frames of, and made history. And because he had spent so much of that 100 roll of film shooting each other with the pretty fall colors, there was only 952 frames left. So he just kept shooting until the film ran. Uh, if I seem a little distracted, I, I have Bill Munz's book. Somebody said that. Yeah, I, I've read it too. Uh, yeah. I'm just trying to. Somebody said that he knew the actual lens. Um, but uh, yeah, I think this is a very authoritative book on the, the, the minutia of the film itself. Matter of fact, uh, one of the big stumbling blocks, according to Munz, on, on his whole research in the Parison film was not being able to determine what lens Roger had on that camera. Right. Yeah. It makes a difference. It really yeah. does. Yeah. Yeah, it really makes a difference. And, of course, she left a great set of tracks. And Roger being Roger, after she, uh, after the creature was gone, he cast what he thought were the two clearest ones close to where, where they first encountered her, right down by the creek. And I got them here. These. Yep. One left, one right foot. Cast them. And it was Bob Titmus who went down there nine days later and cast 10 more prints in succession in a row. And 
uh, while we're on it, he is known as sometimes the fifth horseman. <laughs> well, according to John, he should have been one of the four horsemen. He should be there, and Peter should not. Uh, was uh, now now while we're on that topic, you know, what was your impression of Bob Titmus and Bob Titmus was a, a a straightforward guy, and he was basically he shunned publicity, and he just was interested in following up on on this, and became obsessed with it. And, and he managed to get the uh, late Texas millionaire Tom Slick to finance him and what was called the British Columbia Expedition, and up halfway up the coast of British Columbia, and that's where he, he did most of his research until uh, Slick died and the money ran out. Yep. Yeah, that was yeah. very unfortunate. That you know, right, and Rene and Titmus couldn't stand each other. No, <laughs> oh, <did not>. <laughs> <laughs> Rene it sounds like to me was like the ultimate character. He probably didn't like too many people, especially if you disagreed with him. Oh, well, Rene was very territorial. He, um, uh, to him, everyone was just some guy coming in to mess in on his on his business. Right. You know, uh, but for, he never. Seemed to be ang angry at me, but what he said to, about me to other people when I wasn't around, I have no idea. <laughs> Rene was Rene. There's no other way to describe him. I loved the guy. We were good friends. I loved the guy, and I like to say he loved me sometimes. Except he wanted to believe that Freeman. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rene is the one that changed my mind about right. Paul Freeman. Go talk to Arden. Go talk to this guy. Go talk to that guy. And I did, and I have to admit, he had a point. Yeah. You know. Uh, question from the chat from Quick Witty. Hello, Quick Witty. Welcome again, sir. Uh, was Patterson trustworthy? Uh, in a lot of people's opinion, and especially Rene, Rene used to refer, refer to Rogers that little bullshit artist. <laughs> and uh, Patterson was uh, into. Uh, was uh, and Rene, in fact, wanted to just prove it. That's why he was so interested in the whole, whole thing. He wanted to prove. He wanted to prove that Roger Patterson had pulled this off somehow, but he couldn't do it. And he said, "What's important is what's on the film." And he said, "I don't care if Jack the Ripper was holding the camera. The point is what is on that film." You know, that sounds like that. That sounds like Rene in a nutshell. Yeah. I don't yeah. Care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it's like I said, Roger, Roger, what I've known and learned of him, he was like Mr. Haney in the Yakima area. Everybody knew him. Most people like him. But everybody also knew, don't lend him any money because the odds are you'll never get it back. Yep. Yeah. Now, is it true? I, I, I've heard this in, in, in pieces, is that towards the end of his life, uh, Renee kind of not believed or started to have doubts about the Patterson film. Rennie had had doubts, serious doubts about the whole thing. Gotcha. You know, because he he had never seen anything, never come across anything. He saw footprints, you know, mm. and he was really beginning to have doubts the whole thing. But Rene um, was went through a very hard time at the end of his life, and uh, he was basically mad at everything and everybody. So uh, yeah, and uh, uh, it was it was sad the way it happened, but. Um, Right, you know, even I. I mean, Rene wanted me uh, wanted me to buy his green camper truck, the Green Hornet, and um, I made arrangement just before he passed to do so. And I flew. I was still in Alberta at the time, and I flew 
to uh, Richmond to attend his memorial service. Uh, it was well attended by a lot of people, you know, and uh, it was a sad day. And uh, we were kind of joking because there had been a thunderstorm through that area early in the morning. It was uh, in the distance. And, uh, and uh, we said, well, it looks like that thunderstorm has passed. And I think it was Larry Lund that said, no, that's not a thunderstorm. That's raining at the gates of heaven. God just told him there is no Sasquatch. And he's lying and he's arguing with him. <laughs> But I went back there a week later and uh, uh, to talk with Eric, because Eric was sorting, Rennie's son was sorting out his estate. And to get the Green Hornet back, uh, ready to drive all the way to Calgary. And, uh, well, it, it, you see this truck. It was a beautiful little camper on wheels, but, oh, my God, duct tape this. Why was that? He had redone it. It was a... It was a it was like a homemade truck, <laughs> and it was a good chance it wasn't going to pass the out-of-province inspection, and that was the deal-breaker eventually that killed it. But uh, we needed new cables for the batteries, which for some reason the battery was not in the engine compartment. It was behind the driver's seat. <laughs> <laughs> and we went there. I went down there with Eric and uh, to the Canadian Tire. And Eric himself, you know, great guy. Uh, uh, Country Boy Canada, you, you, you're in this pickup truck, you're up to your ankles and discarded Big Mac wrappers and and shake milkshake containers and stuff. And he, I said, my God, Eric, you got to empty this truck out because uh, you can't see your floor. And he said, yeah, I know. I tell you what, we're right beside the garbage cans there. Uh, do me a favor, throw this stuff out, and I'll go in and get the cables. And I did. And I was throwing arms and this stuff in the garbage for him. And right there in that little, you know, that little lump where the gearbox is, the gear shift is where the drivetrain goes through, there was a little black shoe, half shoe box. And I picked that shoe box up and oh my God, this is nothing, this is dirt. And I had that thing right over, right over the garbage can. And I noticed these little white flicks. I thought, oh, better not. These may be seeds or something. And I had, and Eric came back and I said, I said, oh, wow, great job. I can see my floor for the first time. <laughs> Eric, what's in that little shoe box there? You know, I almost threw it out. And he turned white as a ghost. He said, that's dad. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I came that close to throwing my late friend, Rennie to Inden's ashes into a garbage can. He <laughs> <laughs> turned to the dump. <laughs> Oh, I, but fortunately, I didn't do it. I never would have lived that one down. Like a picture of Rene up at the front of the guy. You know what that Schindberg did? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, somehow I could imagine, you know, the, the multiple. There was some movie I watched, and they ended up, like, drinking. <laughs> they thought it was, like, like supplements or something. So they, oh, this must be the protein powder. I'll put it in the... <laughs> Ugh. Um, thank you, Timmy Boy, and welcome, Timmy Boy. Uh, back, uh, Jimmy Boy says, Hey, wipe your feet at the door, people, and hit the sub and like. Really appreciate it to uh, sharing is caring, and uh, be sure to hit that like. And if you're not sub, sub to the channel. We have a lot of fun here. Um, so we do have uh, a couple of other questions, but I have a question before we get to those. Um, the, one of the things I noticed that caused dissension between, I believe, John Green, Roger Patterson, and I believe it was uh, 
Renee, was the Frank Curlow incident. People don't know the Frank Curlow incident. And I don't even know if you're aware of the Frank Curlow incident. Who's Frank Curlow? Frank Curlow apparently was the first person to claim that they had a Bigfoot body. And he had a partner, but the partner disappeared. Um, and, it, you know, it turned out to be a hoax, but it caused oh, some dissension. Oh, 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 yeah. He had the check, and he tried to hand him the check, and he sat back and said, show me the Bigfoot first. Yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, I, I, don't, yeah. I don't know the particulars of it because it was covered. I'm not sure if it was covered in, in uh, either one of John Green's book or it was covered in uh, Renee's book, uh, but I know I read it somewhere about Frank Curlow, and that was the first Bigfoot body hoax hoaxer. Yeah. And um, I don't know if you know any more particulars of that. I know what Rene uh, um, offered like $10,000 for it. And, uh, but Rene was suspicious from the beginning. And John and, uh, <laughs> and Peter Byrne were saying, well, Rene, you don't have 10000 What are you doing? And he said, yeah, but that was for a Sasquatch he didn't have. <laughs> I was going to say, Rene had $10,000 at one no, time? No, he never had that much in his life. No. But, <laughs> you know, but he said, yeah, I just offered it because, uh, yeah, I didn't have it, but he didn't have a Bigfoot. So, <laughs> <laughs> and I knew it. So yeah. <laughs> I was just trying to get him to expose it. <laughs> yeah, there, there was some maneuvering by Roger Patterson during that whole thing that apparently, um, I think, kind of made John Green distance himself a little bit from the crew. I'm pretty well, sure it was. Uh, well, what 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 caused John Green and Rennie DeHinden to or to end their partnership was doing the Blue Creek Mountain investigations in August, September, just before the Patterson film was shot. During that investigation, they all flew down there with uh, uh, a guy named Keith Gazzara in the plane and a guy named Moffat who had a tracking dog, White Lady. And while they were down there at Shishwood Tracks, it was a blistering hot day. They, uh, for, some, uh, for some reason, they all ended up jumping in the Jeeps and driving to another location, but they left Rene behind. Jeez. Oh, and, and Rene was stuck out there way high up on Blue Creek Mountain for like six hours, <laughs> no water and everything. And when they all came back, Rene took that double barrel shotgun. You see Pete Cazera and most of Blue Creek Mountain footage came around. And he stuck it in John Green's face and said, you ever do that to me again, I'll blow your damn head off. Well, that would kind of make me distance yeah, myself yeah, from the person yeah. quickly. Yeah. And and John told me that story years ago and told me to, to never say it until after he's gone. <laughs> and I did. And and, and and Rene never, never, ever admitted to anything like that. And I think one time he says, I want the word name of Charles in the damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but that's like that's the kind of thing that happened. And of course, Green, Green after that said, I wasn't <clears throat> going near him after that. <laughs> and 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 Rene became such a pain in the butt down there that Green had him fly back in the plane with Keith Kazera, whereas Green rode in Dot Abbott's car. So. Oh. Wow. <laughs> so, but they um, still communicated after yeah. that every now and then. Yeah. You know, it's not like they shut each other off completely. So, uh, just for folks to know, and, and for you to know, uh, during our very, I think it was like episode number seven of squatch detective radio uh this goes back to i think 2007 i think it was january of 2007 
I had John Green on the show, mm-hmm. and I interviewed him. And um, of course, that was the old blog talk days. That uh, you know, mm-hmm. so the audio quality wasn't that great. But what I'm actually doing is I'm restoring my interview with him a bit and his quotes and some of his talking. And I'm actually in the process of restoring that audio to make it more high def so people can hear it better mm-hmm. and cleaning it up. Because at that time, you know, uh, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm, why am I saying Roger Patterson? Um, John Green had a lot. He was stuttering a little bit and repeating himself a lot at that point in time in his life. So I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm cleaning it up to make it sound very fluid, very, very good, not destroying the message he was putting out there. And uh, so that that hopefully I'll have that concluded within a month or so. So um, and I'll make, I'll make sure I send you a copy of that. I only have one criticism with John Green. Love them. He was the worst driver that ever existed. <laughs> <laughs> he was behind the wheel. He was dangerous. I don't know how he lived so long. <laughs> he oh let his wife drive. God. That's probably why. Yeah. Oh my God. It was awful. Scary. <laughs> pulling out, pulling out the passenger truck, a Greyhound bus coming. <laughs> oh, like, wow. <laughs> he, he didn't think anything. Like, <laughs> oh, he was a horrible driver. A horrible driver. Well, maybe, maybe a hundred years from now, when we're all sitting, at, sitting beyond the pearly gates, we we can challenge money. We can watch a race between him and Matt Moneymaker. <laughs> John Green would win, hands down, if he didn't go up in a burning ball of flame somewhere. <laughs> I, I asked, I used to ask June, how can you stand riding with him? Mm. She just says, I just tune out. <laughs> oh, we, we would call that race the White Knuckle 500. <laughs> I don't think John ever got met with The only argument I ever had with John Green really what's about the Patterson film. Because John was adamant right up until about 2010 that, that Roger, once he started, got crossed the creek and was filming Patty and got 352 and that, that sequence, that Roger never changed position. I said, yes, he did, John. You can see it. He walks up to that log you see in 352, and he's either standing right beside it or he's straddling the damn thing. No, he did. He never changed position. I said, yes, he did. <laughs> <laughs> and he eventually showed it, and he must have seen it a million times. He goes, maybe you're right. <laughs> so, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think if you listen to Bob Gimlin describe it, he did. He stopped, yeah. and he, he fell, and he, he got down, and he shot with his elbows, with his elbows in the ground. Well, it's still debatable whether he got down on one knee or not. Uh, 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 but when he filmed those famous sequences, he stood in one spot, and then when when he lost sight of her in that little batch of clumpy trees there in the middle, he changed his position, and he moved right up to the log in 352. And that's where you see those last few frames with her straight from the back. Yep. Uh, so we, we got so many questions popping up in, in chat right now, and we're going to uh, – somebody had asked earlier on, uh, Am and Chris – no, was it Em and Chris? I forget. Uh, but anyway, somebody asked if you knew Robert W. Morgan. No, I've never met Robert Doug W. Morgan. So no. That answers that question. Yeah. Uh, maybe you know, but Nick was wondering uh, how much R- Renee made doing those Kokanee beer commercials. 
Probably not much. A, a quite a bit. He was afraid he was going to have to pay income tax. Oh, jeez. <laughs> they got to stop sending me these checks. I'm going to have to pay income tax on this crap. <laughs> um. Uh, oh boy. Now, now we're really reaching for the bottom of the barrel. Um, Mick wants to know if you have any stories about the late John Eric Beckchard. Oh God, we could do a whole show on that. Uh, John Eric Beckchard used to phone me at three o'clock in the morning and stop pretending to be a professor from some university, <laughs> but he always see right through it and you go, hi, John. <laughs> <laughs> How do you know it was me? And I said, it's always you. <laughs> Beckchard was um, I like to say the Sasquatch field today more resembled an asylum but being taken over by the inmates now back in the early days when I started most of the guys were strict zoological but there were a few exceptions and he was one of the biggest ones and he used to show up at the conferences wearing an ET mask and dancing around and he'd create quite a disturbance and he end up always end up getting kicked out and then he'd be marching up and down the outside, passing out pamphlets of how they were throwing him out because they were afraid to know the truth and stuff like that. Eric Becher was quite a character. A nice guy, but he was absolutely yeah. hard playing nuts. Right. Yeah. yeah. And a very super intelligent guy, too. Yes. Yes, but he was crazy. Yep. Yep. Uh, you know, so I don't know if he was crazy or crazy like a fox. No, he was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I remember one story when the conference in the. <laughs> And the University of British Columbia, uh, we're all staying at the because you hold know. On, the, hold on, stop! They actually let him into Canada. Oh yeah, mistake oh, yeah. number one. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah and uh, you, you always see him. He always had that pink tie, and he was always carrying a great big brown paper uh, like shopping bag, and stuff in it. I go, and of course the the theater where the conference is is on the other side of campus. I see him standing there, and I'm driving by my old Land Rover, and I, I kind of. Look <laughs> as I'm going by, pretend I don't see him. But I swear I got half a kilometer down the road, and all of a sudden I hear wham, wham, wham. I stop my truck. I look at the passenger side rear view mirror. There he is, running beside my truck, banging on it. Oh, jeez. <laughs> okay, John, I'll give you a ride. <laughs> so everybody, you know, you know, they, you know, they chased me halfway across the camp to get a ride. You're halfway there. You can run yeah. the rest of the way. <laughs> Uh, I guess it was possible because the speed limit there was only like 10 kilometers an hour, and I always obeyed the speed limit. My mistake that day. Gunny, <laughs> he's running after us. Yeah, yeah. But he, he'd come up and he always stayed at John Green's house because John would always uh, let people who were visiting stay in the spare rooms downstairs and let me stay a number of time. Oh, my God. I, oh. I always noticed June always made me do the dishes, and I always said, <laughs> Said, you make anyone else do the dishes? They just smile. I don't think they did, quite frankly, but they always made me do the dishes. But Vection would always stay with the greens, and 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 whoever I just say he just go on and on about his weird and wacky theories and stuff like that, and I just June probably didn't want him to have to do do the dishes. He just wanted him out. <laughs> Go play with your little alien friends out yeah, in the backyard. Yeah. John Eric Bertrand was a nice guy, but he was he was yeah. certifiably crazy. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Mick says, Becker was a member of Mensa, but he had blind spots of common sense that made him dangerously close to being an idiot. 
the BFF, the Bigfoot Forum, uh, oh my uh, God. referred to him as the man who could not be named. Yeah. <laughs> he got banned from it very quickly, and he made such a nuisance of himself with everybody. They referred to him that you, you weren't allowed to say his name or you'd get banned. <laughs> you you couldn't Beetlejuice him, huh? You couldn't say his name three times or he'd show up? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Say Betcher three times and he'll show yeah. up. Yeah. And, and you know what? I'm afraid to say that now because he's gone. And if I say his name three times, he might his ghost may show up. <laughs> I wish the ghost of one of them would come back and just tell me, is the Sasquatch really there or am I wasting my time? Well, I think the ghost of Bexter would probably come back and tell you it's an alien from another or, or <laughs> came from the fourth dimension. Yep. <laughs> Or, or like Kalani, you know, you just go up the top of Mount Breckenridge and fill your life, uh, mind with love thoughts, and he'll come and talk to you. Now, Kalani was really the first one to start that all up, wasn't he? I'm not sure if he was the first. He's one of the few that are still going. Again, a real nice guy. Yeah, nice yes, guy. Absolutely. But he's, but he's, he's a, a fun guy to talk to. But he is a hippie that never grew up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he seems at least in my opinion okay. to me you know even Becher, even though he had all these crazy ideas you know unless you tangled with him and, and and whatever he was for the most part harmless yes he had a lot of internet oh yeah he was he was irritating for being so silly yeah you know and that's it but he never he was never uh dangerous or anything like that and no. um Yes, uh, quick witty. We're going to get to your questions in a second. We're, we're going to. I haven't lost it. <laughs> um, yeah, um, you know. But then you look at people like Doctor Matt Johnson that are doing stuff. That, you know, because of the, the the atmosphere he's creating, I think he's creating his own cult. Well, Doctor Matthew Johnson came prominent when he so-called had that encounter with his family. And it's funny because I have a video. Uh, I forget what year it was. It had to be in the early 90s um, of you. And then a little while later, Matt Johnson comes on to talk and talks yeah, about this. That was a, a remake. Yeah, uh, that was a remake. They tried to remake um, uh, one of the Leonard Nimoy series from the 70s. Um, what was it called? Unsolved Mysteries? No, no search uh, of, In Search Of. In Search Of. In Search Of. And they tried to re reboot it, and the host of the show was the guy who played Agent um, uh, Skinner in the X Files. And uh, I was pretty upset because they edited it and made me sound like I was saying something completely opposite of what I was saying. And my, my I almost get the impression at the time that the, the Johnson was first came prominent after his so-called encounter with his family. At the time, in the UFO field, there was a guy writing books called Communion and things like that. And he was sort of a psychiatrist who uh, uh, wanted to deal with so-called alien abductees. And it almost sounded to me like Dr. Matthew Johnson was trying to set himself up like, like that to be a sort of someone that people who have encounters with Sasquatch could talk to. And that's what he was trying to do. Yeah. At yep. least at first. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, what was I going to ask? Uh, well, anyway, let's get to quick witty's question. Um uh, what do you think of how to hunt uh, and uh, Bigfoot Odyssey and other Bigfoot business tactics? I, I, uh, how to hunt um, uh, Steve Azzal. Steve Azzal, yeah. 
as though I don't have any time for because when, yeah. when he first got involved, he said things about uh, John Green and Melvin you know, and uh, yeah. everybody, and he even tried to accuse John Green's father trying to, you know, exterminate the Japanese Canadians during the war and things like that, which was absolute nonsense. And then he accused them all. John Green late ranting tried to compare him to Hollywood producers who abuse women and all that stuff. Right. So I got no time for anything that guy says. He's a and guy. You know, he's a guy who had a hunting uh, 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 guide, grizzly guide. That when they banned the the grizzly hunt in BC, he had to find something else to make his uh, to pay. And he's got he got involved in the Sasquatch, and I think he's just trying to uh, make his site pay. Because uh, all he does is read emails, right? Yeah. And I, I, in in front of these beautiful things, there could be a backdrop. <laughs> when you were talking about the Rocky Mountains, I, I kind of, yeah, I kind of. Well, he does live up in the Whistler area, and all you have to do is go out anywhere, and you got beautiful scenery all around you. Yeah, so he could be he could be doing it right out of his backyard. Yeah. yeah, um, but he does go out into the woods. He does. He was a he was a bear hunting guide for years. And, and and a hunting guide for years, and that and that income has been taken away from him. And I think this is just one of the things. But he's arrogant as you wouldn't believe. You know, at least yeah. that's my impression of him. And I think he got involved with uh, guys who are pushing the uh, massacre nonsense. And he's the, the latest one who brought all that up again. That's when we had your. I was on your show uh, a year yeah. or so ago when you had the whole mic. The cell phone up in front of your mic. Talking about. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was him that got all that going. Got people talking about that nonsense yep. all over again. So no, um, how to hunt? Nah, he's just a, another guy who's, and I'm only expressing my opinion, uh, tuning his own horn, trying to be, uh, you know, famous without doing the work and being very abrasive about it. And, yeah, yeah. And the funny thing about that is. Um, he has not only had issues like that now in the Bigfoot community, but prior to that, he was having similar in the hunting community or the guide community. Well, if you read, if you read the, 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 some of the things that were said on the hunting guide pages before he got in Bigfoot. Yeah, you're right. He was, you know, he was called yeah. into question about some of his things he was showing and mm -hmm. some of his, some of his tips Yeah, and he would come back being very, you know, brash and arrogant yeah. and, Similarly, very threatening. In fact, there was one uh, wolf uh, uh, rescue, or not a wolf rescue, but they were they were trying to conserve wolves, and he had gotten a little spat on a forum with them, and then he actually sent them a basically a threat, um, you know, and and that's posted on their website that I just happened to uh, um, pop in, and um, yeah, he, uh, some of the comments we're, we're getting. Uh, um, comments about is like uh, they they don't take criticism very well he doesn't take criticism very well um uh absolutely arrogant was another comment um i i, I still assume it's the same after what he said about john green and stuff like that i yeah. i never watched another one of his videos and i won't or the or the purposely yeah. calling meldrum meldum yeah yeah, stuff like that. I mean, he, you know, uh, Rick Ariolo is really tearing him apart on his new uh, new mm. series of, of podcasts there. And uh, mm. 
you know, he, he says it right. Uh, and, and Don Fuller just said, I was, as I was just reading it, is Dale's a gaslighter. Of course, Richter's got this crazy sense of humor, and it's not for everybody. But if you want to check out him, uh, that's his season this year is probably machine gunning. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't think, I don't think Dale gives a rat's behind. Oh, he he does. He He's already responded to the first video. No, no, I don't think yeah. he gives a rat's behind whether the Sasquatch exists or not. Oh, yeah. I think he's just trying to make his his uh, his uh, site pay, and as long as he gets uh, a few thousand followers, that's fine for him. Well, yeah, uh, I'm coming out with a video real soon about him. I've been working on that too, um, but he has put out, you know, stuff. Uh, like the Mark Anders hoaxes, those, mm -hmm. you know, those uh, Mark Anders is an admitted hoaxer, I believe, and, and, mm -hmm. and, and put stuff out there for shock value, and it's not real, and there was one that was called the Mexican Bigfoot. Well, Isdale actually posted that on his How to Hunt Facebook page, along with a footprint, which is on the back of his book, mm -hmm. and doesn't say, oh, what would, you know, what do you do when you see this on your trail camera, you know? Well, it's a hoax picture, you know, from, and everybody thought it was his and he responds by not responding. Mm -hmm. You know, is that yours? When did you get it? It says nothing. Creates all this buzz. Well, it's, it's a hoax picture. So. Well, he me, did have a video. I noticed at one point where he, he, he was basically saying, this is a footprint and I found it. Yeah. And there was something there with the general foot shape. But my, my question is, First of all, it's it's an opening in the woods, and there's absolutely nothing in front of it, and nothing behind it. So what what did the Sasquatch do? Hop down out of a helicopter and stomp one foot down, and then go right back up again? Uh, you know, no follow up, and he just reads whatever people tell yeah. him. Yeah, you know? I, I mean, obviously, he's not using his his great acumen as a you know a tracker and a hunter. Yeah to do any investigation whatsoever that much is yeah. for, for sure oh, that was another, yeah. Yeah. i i don't waste any time with him mm -hmm. I, I i don't believe a word he says and nope. i uh i i won't waste any time with him no 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 it's just um, like like um the biggest example of what i call ivan marks today is um uh, todd standing i don't believe a word that man says either so yeah um okay Uh, well, you know, here, you know, and that, that is true. Some people are, yeah, quick witty's having an issue with the show Bigfoot Odyssey doing raffles and stuff like that during the shows or whatever. And, um, no, I, uh, you know, and quick witty said that, you know, I go on expeditions and I don't ask money or do fake raffles or anything like that. Uh, very true. Um, if, um, Somebody wants to come on expedition with me. I, I'm doing something there in the area, you know, where they they're in my area. Call me. It'd be my honor to show them around. And if you want to go poking around, I'm more than happy to do that. I don't want to do anything on a huge scale, obviously. Um, and, uh, you know, that's just my philosophy. Um, I don't knock people that try to. Um, you know, hey, look, we're all trying to fund our own stuff here. That's, you know, quick witty, just so you understand, you know, that's why my YouTube channel is monetized. That's why Anchor FM is monetized. Mm -hmm. That's why, you know, I, you know, I, I've written three books because uh, it helps me recoup a lot of the thousands of dollars I've spent in equipment. And even Mike can attest, I've spent a lot of money doing this. Yeah, um, it's, it's not cheap to go and get a, you know, a couple thousand dollar 
thermal camera or night vision. I mean, I'm I'm probably right now in the woods, probably sitting on about five thousand dollars worth of equipment of my own, you know, and you know the, the, the subjects kept me bankrupt for more than I can say. Yes, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah. You gotta pay for gas to get out in the woods sometimes, you know. <laughs> yeah. And, and um, sometimes those raffles have to come out, you know, just to you know, not merely to get your name out there, but more to, you know, the gear to to put the content out i mean and I, I think it would be an appropriate time to do a plug for myself well, <laughs> i've written three books if you want to check them out we have 50 large true story of the bigfoot body hoax uh the, the yeah now i'm forgetting my own books the sasquatch playbook which is my last uh which is my last book which is uh basically looking at the bigfoot uh mystery from a believer but using a skeptical approach. And then my one that's been out there for so many years now, um, what would Sasquatch do using primate behavior to validate the Bigfoot mystery? Um, you can find those on squatchdetective.com. Just click on the, on the book you want to look at, and it'll take you right to the Amazon page to purchase it. So there's my cheap plug for the night. You know, every little dime helps. Um, that's why I do it. We are setting a Patreon page up and we're going to have some exclusive content for that as well. That's where the John Green, uh, interview is going to head to when we're done with it. Cause it takes time to do that. And this is just a way quick way to, I recoup, um, uh, that and quick video says, Steve, that's that he actually said, that's how to properly fund an expedition. I agree. Uh, you know, I don't like taking people, uh, for money just to take them out in the woods. That's just not my thing. Now, if I'm providing food, uh, like, for example, the expedition I went on uh, just recently with the Kentucky Bigfoot Research Organization, excellent expedition. They paid a fee, but their camping was taken care of. They, they rented all the camping spots. So their food was taken care of. So they got food. So what their money basically paid for was their food and their camping. And if there's a little, and you know, if there's a little extra for the organizer, so be it. Um, that's I, re I really have no problem with people trying to find ways of making this pay. I mean, yeah. the late uh, friend of mine, late Bill Miller, just passed away uh, October last. Had a little started a little tour company here called Sasquatch Country Adventures in the Harrison area, where we take three or four people out. But it wasn't really an expedition type thing. It was basically show them areas where things happen and explain the history of it to people who were interested yeah and bill put all that money into sponsoring trips into the bush to actually look for evidence and that that was fine i had no problem i helped them out with it quite a bit and uh, we got a lot of positive feedback on it but that died when uh, that whole thing died when when bill died because i wasn't interested in carrying on with a tour company and, uh, right. running a tour company i, I just I, I want to look for the Sasquatch. I don't want to, I want, yeah. I want to be tour guides for people and things and, like that. And, and quickly, I have people go out with me all the time, but I do it for free. Yep, so, same okay. here. Yep. Yeah. Same here. Uh, quick with he says, honestly, the first thing they mention is we need to make money for this and we need money for that. No books, no nothing in return. And I, I, I tend to agree with my philosophy. But you know what? Here's the thing. Nobody is forcing anybody to pay for those things. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want to put five dollars into a raffle, then then fine. You know that that you, nobody's being forced to do that. Mm -hmm. I don't ask for any money to watch this podcast. I never will. I I won't make this a member only podcast. You know, I'll get paid 
the the the, the peanuts that go, that YouTube will throw at me. That's fine. I'm going to have a Patreon page, and again, that's voluntary. If people want to go over there and be a um a, a contributor to the show, then they can do it. I'm not forcing them to. I'm not mad. I'm not going to treat anybody any differently if they don't. Um, but you know the the again, I do offer stuff, and I'm a very firm believer generally, and that's why. I'm not really pushing the Patreon page at all is because I don't have that content yet. When I start putting content, exclusive content to that Patreon page, then people are getting something in return, you know, and I am a firm believer in, um, I am a very firm believer in, you know, you, you pay some money, you should get something in return. Now a raffle is kind of, you know, that that's a chance. That's like a lottery. If, if that's what people want to do and they want to, it's no different than going to the store and buying a lottery ticket. Nobody is forcing them to. Yeah, so, absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and it's, it's the same with, with, with the people who don't like conferences. And and I understand that it's a double edged sword with conferences because people say, well, there's the people trying just to push their egos and talk and do all that stuff. But I've always found it, you know, like when I, when I go to conferences and Mike, Mike's been to a number of them. Do I ever sit and listen to the speakers? No, I'm out there mingling and talking, and I have my own table to deal with. But the, that's what I like conferences for is that that camaraderie and meeting people and, and getting to know people and getting the stories and all that kind of stuff. That's the fun bit for me. Yeah, um, it's, it's the networking. I mean, my memories came up today from Eric's event from four years ago, you know, came up in the old – Verizon cloud today with everybody. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the big thing going to those things and, and interacting with everybody. I mean, we're doing it this weekend, you know, next weekend that will be mm-hmm. out. So. Well, Mike, you're out looking for evidence right now, ain't you? That's why you, you, had, you had trouble getting here early. You're finding a spot where you can transmit from. <laughs> yeah. And it, I have never seen golf ball size snowflakes. And <laughs> you guys, some, some photos later. Um, you know, that the places we've been and the weird stuff we've seen, um, but uh, yeah, and I apologize for signal. We, we got up there, we had full four bars. Don't uh, ever, don't ever apologize for going into the bush looking for evidence, sir. That's 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 what we should be doing right now. You're doing the right thing. Well, it's it's. Yeah. I appreciate it because usually we'll go out and we'll turn you got turn <clears throat> Steve on or one of you. You know, if you you're out somewhere, we're listening to things. Mm-hmm. We'll turn on some of the other podcasts and we'll listen to them. And hey, it might draw something in because who knows who's playing what scream or whatever. So <laughs> I've and, I've never owned a laptop computer, so I couldn't transmit from the bush even if I wanted to. <laughs> and and. Um, in Central Florida, I agree with that. I'm not here to defend Bigfoot Alley. To be fair and accurate, the facts is all I'm saying. I have a chance to win a $4,000 drone, so I took a chance free will. Maybe. Did he win the drone? Not Well, we don't know yet. Oh, that's too bad. I, and I hope he does. <laughs> and, and, and if, I hope you win the drone. <laughs> and I got to give a shout out to, to Central Bigfoot or Central Florida Bigfoot. You know, I met him through another podcast in, in through Instagram, and he took me out in the woods and... Uh, I got to go out in the swamps of Florida and learn about Florida. So uh, Matt's a cool dude. Um, so I had, a guy you know, show up, I, I had a guy show up here. He just wanted me to tell him about some of the more classic cases that are local, like the Ruby Creek and the Jocko capture. I said, are you doing anything this afternoon? He said, no. I loaded in my car and I took him to the Chapman site and I took him to tunnel number four where Jack went out. 
made his year. Yeah. You know, yeah. made his yeah. year. He wanted to give me, uh, he tried to hand me a couple hundred bucks. I said, no, no, no. I'll tell you what, you can buy dinner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm like a, I'm like another Canadian who charges like three thousand to four thousand dollars <laughs> to take on an expedition where he's pointing out all these tree breaks. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and, in, and in, has in, and has Sasquatch gloves in his back seat. Mm. <laughs> well, not, mentioning, not, not mentioning any names. Dodson. That's right. <laughs> right <Dodson. laughs> um, yeah. No. Tom, can I ask what what the 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 I don't know what the the most important evidence or the the most striking I guess I want to go most striking evidence that really hit to the core that you found that it really keeps you going had to be and it did keep me going because at the time I was married and I was getting a lot of pressure from my ex wife to put the Sasquatch in the back burner and concentrate on more important things had to be the footprints found along uh, Ballbeard Creek near the Chilliwack River in 1986. Uh, I've written about this quite, ex uh, actually, no, I haven't written about this one a lot, but I have written about it. Uh, it was a, a sighting that happened uh, by an American couple who were fishing down here during Expo year, 1986. I found the tracks. The witnesses never saw them. And there were, there were over a hundred of them. If I hadn't come across that and I couldn't explain them away, no matter how hard I tried. And, if I hadn't come across that and saw that myself and cast a couple of them myself, I might have said, okay, a Sasquatch is keep it on the back burner as a hobby to do in your spare time instead of devoting your life to it, which I ended up doing. And, um, and that was the, that's the most fascinating case of, of personal evidence that I have ever come across. So far, every time I've sent in hair samples and stuff to be examined, they've come back with common animal explanations thank yeah. you so yeah yeah you, things you know, like that yeah finding tracks i mean and i, and I talk about yeah. how i found i actually heard and smelled what made my track yeah and then to track the one that was right off the trail and then come back the next day when it's daylight out mm -hmm. and find the trackway mm -hmm. going uphill that really just you know, I sit there and I think to myself, yeah, you know, if even even though I've had my own sightings, mm -hmm. I, you know, you still you always doubt that part, you know, like, yeah. well, maybe I was just imagining the whole thing. Yeah. You, know? you get, always second guess yourself. Maybe yeah. I was maybe, you know, and, but, and, I, but I can't throw those tracks away. Yeah. And and to, and, to, and to answer a sort of a part two to Mike's question, 2004, I may have finally saw one myself. Okay. I might have. I won't say it was because it was just too damn far away. Uh, and I've always had the philosophy, stick to the facts, never deviate from the facts. In 2004, I saw a figure. It was jet black in color, and it appeared to be walking upright. But I only <laughs> saw for about four seconds. Hey. But it's also, I couldn't see details, so I can't say with 100% certainty it wasn't a really big, odd-looking guy way up there. Well, what he would be doing there, I don't know. If that was a Sasquatch, I have seen one. If it was not, I still have not. And that was in BC? Yes. Yeah. West side of Harrison Lake, uh, uh, just before the, the uh, turn off to Mystery Valley. Yeah. Now, I'm going to say this, and please understand this quickly, is that my show is not to trash other shows. 
Uh, there are a lot of shows on, on YouTube. Uh, everybody has their own taste in what they want to watch and what they don't want to watch. Uh, this show is not the cup of tea for everybody. And I'm sure, you know, uh, all the other shows are, you know, have the same thing that not every show is a cup of tea for every single person. So I try to put what I feel is the best product forward and the most honest and integrity filled product forward. Does that mean that some night I may have a guest on that may be pulling the wool over my eye? Present company excluded, of course, Mr. Steenberg. Um, <laughs> yeah, that may happen. I may get a witness on here someday that may be completely bogus. Mm-hmm. Happens. We've had, you know, years ago, we had Ed Smith on the show. Ed Smith was the Daisy in the Box hoaxer from mm-hmm. years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, stuff like that happens. Um, does that make me, I mean, like I say, when I put a witness on, I'll ask them questions. It's not my, I'm not investigating them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's my job to interview them. This is a radio, this is a show. So I, I take a different seat here a lot, unless I'm doing something special. So, you know, when I have a witness on, it's about getting their story out and let the audience be the judge of the, the material. Yeah, and I'm not naive to believe that everyone I've ever interviewed was yeah. telling me the truth. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. I tend to believe a lot of them really believe they saw something. And you, you always say there's only three possibilities when you're interviewing a witness. Only three. Yeah. One, they saw a Sasquatch. Two, they mistook someone or something for a Sasquatch. Or three, they're lying. Those are the only three possibilities. There are no others. And if the Sasquatch doesn't exist <laughs> and never did, they're all either mistaken or they're lying. And and quick when he says, come on, Steve, stick to your guns. Those guys are phony. How long have you been doing this? Well, I started this, uh, the podcast in 2006. So, yeah, we're, we're coming up on a long time doing this, 15 years. But here's the thing, quick witty. Um, and Mike can attest to this. I don't listen. I very rarely listen to other podcasts. Mm-hmm. Rarely, I don't have time. Something, huh? Yeah, unless I, I, I just, send something to you or somebody yeah. else sends. Yeah, I I just don't have the time. I you know I I do watch Squatch Talk occasionally. I don't catch every episode. I catch when I can, because you know I've had Pat Turner on the show and I try to support his show a little bit because he's bringing out stuff that that is honest. Um, but if you know truthfully, I don't listen to shows that espouse a lot of stories. Um, you know, I, I don't listen to many podcasts. I catch, you know, stuff that maybe evidence if somebody's putting out evidence, then I'll catch it or I'll try to catch at least part of the replay of it. But very rarely do I listen to, you know, podcasts. I just don't have the time in the day. I'm a working guy, you know, so I, I, I put my eight hours in, I come home, I got to do my man chores. Um, I got my own stuff I got to do. Um, I got to deal with my own YouTube channel, Facebook page, Twitter page, you know, and Mike kicks me cause I don't, I neglect my Instagram page. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, um, I, I have a lot of my plates. Comedies, you know, you get, you, you're gonna, you're gonna pick your channel, be it, you know, yep. one of the mean networks or one of the offshoot networks. It's just, yep. uh, and we appreciate Mr. Steenberg being here, you know, and I appreciate being part of this tonight because, you know, a lot of the ones that I listen to are people I've been in the woods with or met, you know, and been out there. And that's why I follow their shows. I wish I could follow more shows. Yeah. Just, yeah. There's not enough time in the day. So I appreciate uh, that being said, 
for the folks, the folks that are out there and listen to this show or, or watch this show live, and for those on Anchor FM and on iHeartRadio and Spotify and uh, Stitcher uh, and Apple Podcasts, you know, if you guys have some free time on Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, just pop on over to YouTube.com forward slash Steve Coles and, and visit us live. Say hello. Drop in on us once in a while. Uh, you know, even if it's for five minutes just to say hello, we'd love to hear from you. So, um, but we appreciate the time people spend to listen and, and have great input to this show because our audience has always asked some great questions. And I appreciate um, that greatly. Um, you know, that you, you know, this new platform over, you know, it will be two years on this platform coming up in August and we've grown it and changed it and switched it. And I really think that, you know, we're, we're starting to find a rhythm here. Mm. Um, so, um, I, you know, and, you know, I say, you know, and this is one of the things about this show, uh, no question is off grounds. You can ask me tough questions. I don't care. I like tough questions. That's what I love. I, I, I like the audience because I'm hopefully helping the audience, uh, newcomers who are just getting into yep. this and wondering if they should or not. I say, go for it. Yep. But uh, adopt a philosophy like I always have, like mine is stick to the facts, never deviate from the facts, and have a healthy dose of skepticism because a healthy dose of skepticism is the best thing a researcher can have. Maybe. I mean, there are so many people in this field now who are, call themselves researchers. I mean, to me, a researcher is someone asking a question is trying to find an answer to the question. And it's somebody who may, you know, even though I don't believe it, I accept the possibility that in the end I could turn out to be wrong. I mean, the Sasquatch may indeed just be a great piece of North American mythology and folklore. I don't personally believe that, but I accept the possibility. Right. So many of these people who call themselves researchers, they're more like religious leaders pushing a faith. You know, it's, they, they're convinced and how they it's their job to convince everyone else, like a, like a, a rabbi or a priest on a pulpit, you know, and that's just the wrong way to go about it, at least in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And I got to say that, you know, in the chat that comes through on, on this show and, and Tom, you and I usually run the chats. You're usually on Facebook. I'm usually running YouTube watching and the questions are, are awesome. I learn from, from everybody in there. And when you seniors in the field get in there and drop little comments in, it's like, okay. Hey, easy with that term, seniors. <laughs> I just turned 60. Next year, I'm turning 59. I'm scouting backwards from now <laughs> You know, back in the day. Yeah, well, remember you guys we used to hit the trees with sticks. Now the kids use a computer to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Hell, I spent my for most of my career in this. We didn't even have computers. I wasn't even online until 2004. Hey, so, and welcome. You, Oops, sorry, Steve. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, welcome, Farrell. Good to see you. Uh, he's from uh, Calgary, Alberta. Ah, uh, cool. Love, I love Alberta. We spent a lot of years there on the east side of the Rocky Mountains. Yeah. A lot of, uh, my first book was about Alberta. No one had ever done a book about Alberta before. And I said, well, they've been seen in here in eastern BC. They got to be seen here too. My first 24 years was, you know, I didn't move to BC till actually to 2002. Yeah. yeah all that. 
<laughs> Quick Witty made another comment too. Uh, he just said that that's the difference, Steve. You wouldn't ban me for asking simple questions, and they did. Mm-hmm. And Quick Witty usually asked some of the toughest questions we've have out there. Sometimes, like he yep. he called onto the carpet. Uh, you know, somebody. Well, where does your expedition money go? How much? You know, he and of course we we asked that, and I I always predicate that to some people that hey. I, you know, this is a question from the chat. We got it. You know, we're going to ask it. We were nothing is off bounds unless there is something specific like an NDA or in place that then, you know, we'll work with it. Well, it's like when we went on a, a, uh, expedition uh, or Operation Sea Monkey in 2016. I hated that name. <laughs> <laughs> People were all asking, Todd, Todd, where did that money go? And I said, what do you think it went? It paid for the gas, it paid for the food, and we paid for the boat owner and the captain. <laughs> yeah. Um, Mick made a question. Port Chatham uh, expedition. It was called Operation Sea Monkey. It was in the islands between Vancouver Island and the mainland. Yes, you went. Uh, you went. You went a boating with Todd Neese. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Rob Moran. And- yeah. Uh, Mick. Mick said the blog talk days were fun in their own right. I wish Steve could find the episode with Beckford and repost it. That was a funny show. <laughs> funny you should say that, Mick, because that's one of the shows that is going to Patreon. Uh-huh. So some of the really because I do have a lot of the old shows, um, you know, and, and some of the folks remember Dr. Uh, Wolf Hunter Farenbach. Oh, fair. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he was great. He was a great yeah. I- interviewer, a uh, great interview as well. Um, yeah, it's you know, a pity he doesn't seem to be involved anymore. I haven't heard from him in a long time. No, he retired from it, uh, as yeah. did Jimmy Chilcutt. Yeah, Jimmy was an interesting fellow, too. Yep. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I never, you know, uh, Doctor Leroy Fish passed away before I could yeah. ever get him on. He was a, uh, he was a wildlife biologist, wasn't he? Yeah. Brian Sykes passed away recently yeah. as well. Yeah. 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 Um, John Bernanagel lost. Well, him of course, I was going to say. Yeah. I mean, you had a lot of interaction with Doctor John, I believe. Yeah. And I'm sorry that, that you know you lost your friend, and I, you know, I know you guys. I've lost a lot of my friends. Yeah. I mean, they're all, and, they're all. Yeah. I know I had the chance to meet uh, Dr. John back in 2006 on our Monster Quest episode, mm-hmm. and he actually looked at my print, and that, that was kind of the coolest thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, okay. So we do have a question from uh, from uh, Farrell uh, coming up here, and it's like, what's your take on the Calgary sighting that's supposed to take place in Calgary Park area? It's a very interesting video. Kid says, that isn't human. It looked big and moved very fast. I know exactly the one he's talking about. I think they were looking at a moose from the back. It was a okay. moose that got up and walked away. And what, what struck me most was the attitude of the adults in that, in that situation. I think the adult kind of knew it because his attitude was, Let's get the kids away. There's something unknown here that could be harmful or something like that. It, it was like, ooh, gee, wow, look, it's Santa Claus. Ooh, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I think I think what it was was a moose. Probably a female moose without antlers, and it, and it was sitting there, and it got up and walked yeah. away at their approach. Yeah. That's what I think it was. I've looked at it a dozen times, and that's what I think it was. And there you go. There's an I haven't seen it. So It, look, it looks bipedal yeah. because you're looking at it directly from the back. We we got two other questions. One for me uh, was it 2013, Steve, when you flew to Hollywood, California, to call Rick Dyer's Bluff? Yes, was, and uh, I did, and I met Susie Mateus, who runs the Bigfoot community on Facebook, 
and uh oh what was his name uh, but but we we ended up uh they ended up picking me up at the airport we ended up going to a bar having a couple of cocktails enjoying our time and uh then we had in and out burger and i flew home <laughs> <laughs> so i was got my in and out burger fix and off i went <laughs> um uh here it is uh whoop hang on no, 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 uh where is it oh Timmy boy, has Thomas ever phoned Bigfoot? <laughs> no, but I think he's phoned me half a dozen times. <laughs> or at least people trying to be one. <laughs> Funny thing is, in that whole thing, and, and uh, Ken Collins, um, you know, he was the organizer of that event. And poor Ken is catching hell for that, folks. He didn't plan it. He didn't know it, it was just as a surprise to him as everybody else. So just... Please let the pressure off of, of, uh, so we got a bunch of questions coming through. Uh, first one is quick witty. Um, uh, any thoughts on aggressive Sasquatch evidence they found in the brushy road Creek area. I don't know if you've heard any of that. I've heard, uh, it said in Texas that they seem to have a more aggressive animal in, 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 in general and people are disappearing and stuff like that. But I noticed you don't seem to be much police interest in these cases. And that's huge because why yeah. not the police want to be yeah, involved? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I think, if, <coughs> I think if the Sasquatch was aggressive or we had some kind of monster out there, we'd know more about them by now. Yep. But on the same time, People do disappear wilderness areas every year, and uh, I think if you ran into a hostile Sasquatch, you would tend to disappear. Yeah, yeah. And from from our good friend Tate, who has a great first name, not so great last name, <laughs> Tate Aronimus. <laughs> oh, wait a minute! Hold it. <laughs> no, it's not wrong, Tate. Wrong, Tate. <laughs> He says, what do you think guys think of Les Stroud, Survivor, and Bigfoot series? I have no problem with Les Stroud. I, yep. I think he was taken in by Todd Stanning, though, a bit. Yep. Oh, not a bit, a lot. <laughs> or, or he was just playing along. He knew Todd Stanning was pulling his leg, and he just played along for the show. I don't know. But his new series is just him. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen, I don't know if you've seen any of those. No, I don't. Uh, I don't have cable TV. Okay. I gave it up. So his new series is just him going out in his cameraman, going out, mm -hmm. doing all the stuff they need to do to find Bigfoot. And it's very, very critical, skeptical. Um, I felt it was very honest, you know. Well, good. I'm glad yeah. he is. Because like I said, I always like Les Stroud as an outdoor enthusiast and survivalist. I always liked what he did, but when he got involved with Todd Sand, I said, oh, come on, man. You can't be this gullible. Yeah. And yeah. Bob Lemley mentioned it's on YouTube. So you can check oh, it out. Oh, it is? On, okay, yeah. yeah, I will. Thank you. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. I will check it out. Uh, I, I've watched some. Yep. Sorry, Steve. He actually reached out to uh, to Ray about his story down in South America. So, oh, cool. you know, he's way before he was doing the other stuff. So gotcha. uh, that whole survival thing. So it's the background on that is a, that's one of my guys he reached out to that had a very <clears throat> counter. Yep. And I, I don't know if you've heard Ray's story, um, Tom. Ray was an army ranger medic mm -hmm. and he was in Central America uh, with a, a ranger um, battalion, not a battalion, but a um, special team, special yeah. team. And they were uh, working against FARC at the time the uh, insurgent group there mm -hmm. and his uh, 
platoon, that's the word I was looking for, his platoon had at least a couple of encounters with the Mapanguari, mm-hmm. which is the the, um, uh, the the South American, Central American version of Bigfoot. And uh, his story is truly amazing. And he had another follow-up story where he actually got separated from his platoon and was lost for 22 days in the in the in the jungles of central america so um mm-hmm. very very great it's if you ever catch it it's somewhere on we didn't have actually it was on the blog talk side i think mm-hmm. we had him on we'd love to get ray back too by the way mike just uh i'll grab again. him yeah just to <laughs> do it again on video he, for the new audience you say he was a ranger yes united yeah. states rangers united states ranger army, army ranger yep and what year was this that oh, we had, I think it was 83, 84 that this had happened. No, it's, I think it was is, it is it generally mm-hmm. that all the United States was involved in fighting down in <laughs> <to> America? <laughs> well, yeah, he was special yeah. forces. So, yeah, yeah, okay. So it was, uh, you know, the FARC insurgents were trying to overthrow, what was it, Columbia? He wasn't, he was, uh, there, there's some things we got to keep, but yeah, he, he was yeah. Ecuador, but uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Tom, I'll reach out to you offline on on the whole. Yeah, right, Roger that, oh. Roger that. Yeah, I, yeah. In the Canadian military, I only know of one incident, and it wasn't even. Uh, they didn't even use the word. They just said we've got an intruder near, near the perimeter, and of course, uh, they they went out to look, and it was described as freaking bear that walked on two feet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> basically that only came out of that and if there was any follow-up on it i have no idea well they were close enough to see the face with yeah. the little gooseneck flashlights you know the old yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. And- yeah now toms i don't know if you're aware of the uh rogers rangers in the, in the green mountains of vermont uh had something journaled in their exploits i believe it was in 1759 mm-hmm. where they had to repel a group of bears that were throwing rocks at them with a volley mm-hmm. of a shot i've heard the story yeah yep. 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 i heard the story so uh it wasn't us no. <laughs> we were the enemy then so it wasn't us <laughs> have you had a good rock throwing incident have i had a rock throwing incident yep. oh um I've exposed a bunch of hoax rock throwing incident, and I've had one possible true one on our own, an area we like to go to, and this is getting to be 10 years now. Uh, guys I was with say, something's throwing rocks because I mean, they notice these rocks falling all around us. And this area, they, they had just put a new road through because they were going to be logging it. And we were going up and down this freshly dug uh, forest service road because it was all dirt and it was a great place to look for tracks. So we're going up and down it. And while we stopped on one of our breaks, all of a sudden a bunch of rocks came flying. And I still wonder to this day where, 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 where they came from because we never saw anything. And the only other human around was the guy at the gate at the beginning of the road who was supposed to keep people like us from going in there because they're afraid of people messing around with the equipment. But we got there when he was away or something. He didn't see us go in. So we asked him, we always went, well, was this guy throwing rocks and stuff like that? We asked him, it was impossible because he would have had him been the greatest pitcher in history to throw the rocks down to the point of the road where we were. 
So it wasn't <laughs> something was throwing rocks or someone that we didn't see. Tyler, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Tom, I don't know if you can read the screen. More likely, except I think his aim would have probably been a little better. <laughs> <laughs> what, the, what the screen said was Todd Stanley. It was Todd Stanley's <laughs> right? <laughs> Uh, uh -oh. but one, of, one, one of the biggest there was a guy here who was what got him by my wife smoke detector anyway <laughs> gotta go my wife the smoke detector is I'm a timer and well, I didn't set off a Krakatoa here did I <laughs> <laughs> but one of the oh. uh, we had a guy here who was make, trying to make uh, rounds in the Bigfoot field named Randy Brisson in Golden Ears Park, who did a lot of hiking in that area, and, and he, he claimed the sighting, and there was one possible footprint incident he was involved with that uh, I think could be possibly authentic because he's not the one that found him. He was led to him by somebody else. Uh, but we caught him red-handed throwing rocks. We were down there. The bunch of people in the BFRO came up. He was getting that much attention at the time, and we were doing a sort of a kilometer hike. What? 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 You better get your wife an air fryer. <laughs> That's my audience. <laughs> uh, what was I talking about? Oh yeah, yeah. Randy right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I noticed right away. And I, I uh, David Hill. I said, stay back a bit, and for God's sake, don't let this guy get in behind the group. Because all the time, every time it happened, it always happened to be when he was off to the side or he was not in view. And uh, and rocks was a was a very generous term. It was more like big pebbles. And uh, and he did the same mistake so many people who hoaxy sees make. He couldn't stop himself. He had to get that last one in, and he happened to throw it behind his back when I was looking right at him, and he winged it off a tree, which I don't think he meant to hit. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was that, you know. And uh, it was hooking. The, the, the biggest problem with rock throwing is it's one of the easiest things to fake, yeah. you know. And but what that day when we were in that expedition in the Norris Creek region, where somebody or something unknown or somebody unknown was throwing rocks in our generation, and they were pretty and they were pretty healthy size ones, judging by the way we could hear them coming down through the trees, like, yeah, I have no idea, but we didn't see anything and we looked. You know, we looked, we tried. And at one point, they were coming down one side of the road, and then they were coming down the other side of the road, and then they went back to the, the first side of the road. But we saw nothing cross the road. And none of my guys who were with me was doing this. They drew my attention to it. And we're all looking at each other the whole time when we heard the damn thing. So, yeah, so somebody or something was throwing rocks. And that's probably the only time I was involved in the rock throwing that incident that I cannot explain away. But I can't oh, say a Sasquatch did it because we didn't see anything. Timmy Boy is back, uh, by the way. He forgot about his Bluetooth headphones. Well, we're glad to have you back, Timmy. And by the way, over on Facebook, uh, since you're on YouTube, Bob Lemley you sent you a message that better get your wife an air fryer. So, <laughs> um, so we got a few more questions popping up. But before we, we get into that, I have a question of my own. Is What do you think of Matilda? Who's Matilda? That is the Bigfoot uh, Adrian Erickson. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> oh, you mean Kentucky? I, the, was that Kentucky? <laughs> was it Kentucky? You mean, I don't, you, 
I, mean, the, the, I always the, thought Randy Brisson was the one who came up with Matilda. Matilda, yeah, I remember Matilda. Yeah, he was involved in the Erickson project. Yeah, it's a it's a guy wearing a Chewbacca suit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I remember Arian Erickson. He was up here, and he said 2011 is yeah, the year of the Sasquatch. I'm, I'm pretty but, yeah. sure that was. I'm pretty sure that was a Randy Brisson product. Randy Brisson was involved with him. He was Randy Brisson yeah. was showing him around. I tried to warn him about Randy Brisson, but he didn't listen to me. He didn't, uh, he didn't. He didn't warn you about Janice either, did he? Because there was there was a. He bought the property. I know. Well, no, he didn't. He he bought the Kentucky property, but he was paying Janice a stipend. I did not know. I heard he bought the property. No, he didn't buy. And, and, and later on, she tried to say they followed us to the new property. You want to buy that too? <laughs> no, no, that was the Kentucky property. Yeah. Okay. It was the Johnsons that said they, that the Bigfoot followed them to the new property, and they oh, tried to get. Okay. They tried to get somebody else. That another question is uh, they tried to get Biscardi to buy it. <laughs> yeah, it was the same folks that that had the Kentucky property. Said so the Bigfoot followed them. But <laughs> that being said, somebody asked in there: Has you ever have you ever crossed paths with Mister Snapple himself, Mister Scardy? <laughs> no, uh, he's another tech guy I tend to avoid. And usually, when there's something I hear about something going on, and I hear he's involved, I got red flags right off the yep. bat. Yeah, yep. yeah. Yep. Yep. He was involved um, with the Georgia boys, and they're body in the front oh absolutely stuff and I, you know i just as soon as i heard he was involved i thought okay this is horse shit yep. you know yep. <laughs> and you know i i looked at the mask in the in, in the fridge and i said you know i recognize this this is that a halloween costume for that company in california they do these high grade halloween costumes they simply bought one of these costumes and stuffed it with guts yep. of kind of and then that room. night the, yep. the owner of the company was on um Coast to coast with Lauren <laughs> Coleman. And yep. Yeah, oh, they did have them on coast to coast, huh? Okay. <laughs> no, now I missed getting... that one. I missed that one. Yeah. Now, yeah. now we now we're getting another tough question from Quick Witty. Wasn't David Pilates part of the Erickson project? No, he was part of the Ketchum uh study. Yeah, the Ketchum study, yeah. Yep. And what do you think about Mr. Pilates? Well, David Pilates was a key pusher of the MK massacre of Bluff Creek theory. That's how we first started. That's how we first started getting known. Uh, Pilates was sending emails to John Green saying, you got to come clean and stuff like that. And Green was taken aback by all that. I, I, I was a, a bit of a, a fan of Mr. Pilates at first because his first, com first book came out called Tribal Bigfoot. I thought, I'm impressed. He, he got, it took me 15 years to get this much eyewitness testimony to write a book. And he did it in three, sure. <laughs> you know. Then I, I heard, I don't know if it's true or not, but I heard that everyone that was in that book got paid 80 bucks for their story <laughs> or yeah. something like that. I don't know if that's true or not. That's what I heard. I said, well, geez, there's a woman in Chapman, the Sasquatch Inns will tell you stories all night long if you just keep buying the beer. <laughs> you know? But he was he was involved in in, in the the original, when the massacre, and, and I and John and Bill Miller got together and we wrote that article debunking that whole thing, you know, yeah. and we, we caught Pilates saying, Oh, I never said you accused you of anything. John said, well, what about this email you sent to Al Hodgson saying, you know, Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're harboring a deep, dark secret. You know, yeah. he, he didn't know that we were friends with Al Hodgson. So anything he said to him, we heard about it. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. The, uh, the only good thing is, instead of admitting he was wrong, Pilates went dead quiet on the whole thing. He never mentioned it again. I still to this day have never heard him himself bring up yeah. the massacre of Bluff Creek again. Yeah. 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 yeah it's yeah. kind of a yeah. bad, bad topic to get onto if you're pro. Yeah. Pro massacre. Um, of course, you know, they, the, the other guy, the how to hunt guy, uh, actually alluded that Poppy short was murdered. Yeah. And wanted, and that was a total travesty too. So I think Pilates was how to hunt guys, uh, law enforcement friend. In the it was. City. Yeah. yeah. Cause they, yeah. they had uh, like a couple of weeks before he made that reference. They yeah. apparently were together at some bar somewhere. Yeah. I think and, it's probably maybe, maybe Pilates that got, how to hunt to bring up that whole massacre crap again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ken Collins said that uh, he knows Dennis Fole and Dennis Fole hated the Erickson project. I don't know <laughs> how true. I don't well, know if you know Dennis or. Well, the Erickson project uh, was a, was a, a complete another thing that got blown way out of proportion. And I said at the time, I don't know if you remember hearing me say that, I said at the time, the only thing that's going to come out of this, and I said the same thing about the Ketchum study, is they're going to be guests on Coast to Coast Radio once or twice a year with George Norrie, and that's about it. Yep. You know, and I was right both times. You know, I knew it. And, I, and, and when everyone says, oh, we got this great footage, but they won't show it to you, or it's a big secret, or yeah. something like that. You know, when you eventually do see it, it's not going to turn out what they claim, and it didn't. And why they couldn't recognize a Chewbacca mask must up a little bit when they saw one. I'll never understand. But confirmation bias. Yeah. Confirmation. Yeah. Well, the whole Ketchum study was nothing but confirmation bias. They fit yeah. that DNA to fit their prescribed. Yeah. Um, yeah, and buying your own magazine, publishing your own stuff doesn't qualify yeah. as uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. confirmation <laughs> and, and failing and failing to mention it yeah <laughs> you bought the publication yeah. until the press says hey wait a minute um lockbeard says i think peter kane's account of being sexually abused by a she sasquatch is more believable than a sasquatch phone call <laughs> <laughs> so there is another question thomas how did they come up with that massacre bs do you know exactly i mean i i know exactly what happened and i kind of blame myself a little bit for this because i'm partially at fault uh, MK before the massacre stuff was in rather high regard with us all because of the stabilization work he had done on the PG film in general, right? Now, what happened was we, we sent him, and I think it was uh, uh, Chris Murphy uh, through Rick Knoll, uh, we sent him a copy of uh, a lecture film that John Green had put together in the early 1970s. It's a film that John Green had made for public speaking purposes because this is before computers and you know and you nowadays we could just hook up the laptop and we can put anything we want on the screen back before those times you showed movies you showed slides or or those uh, old floppies that they used to put in the machine there that's what you did and he had this made for lecture purposes and on this lecture film you had the parish and giblin footage a bad copy of it yeah, and you had other films spliced in because he's talking about different aspects of the mystery. And you had 
You had a, a beautiful picture of the mountainside with this old couple in, in Vancouver Island somewhere. You had the lady at the museum showing the book wash mask in front of it, and it would talk about that. You had little bits of the second roll of film that Patterson shot that day of him holding the cast up. You got the Patterson footage, and you got it stopped. And none of this had ever been seen by the public before. And, of course, you had a lot of the Blue Creek Mountain footage during the Blue Creek Mountain investigations of August, September of 67 too, which was mostly the Hinden's film. Mm -hmm. And and they had, there was a lot of shots of the pilot, Key Kazara, in that footage, walking around with the shotguns looking at the tracks. Well, MK, this is what I think happened. MK got a look at that, and, and since he'd never seen any of that before, he thought he was looking at never before seeing parts of the Parish and Gimlin film not knowing that they were different films spliced onto this public speaking film that had the Patterson footage on it as well, right? And he thought the Blue Creek Mountain footage and stuff like that was never before seen and parts that were being kept secret from the Patterson Gimlin film itself. And he started seeing all this stuff in there, you know, the body parts and stuff, and then he came out with this massacre uh, because he, and I don't like calling people a, a hoaxer, but when you alter images, and he did, stills from the Blue Creek Mountain footage, you know, to make the hands of the pilot look red, to make the, uh, the, 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 the water in the creek look red, you know, yeah. and saying it's blood. When you alter images to give a false impression of what people are looking at, that's hoaxing by any definition I know. Okay, and that's what he did, and we called him on it. You know, and, and at the time they were they were even saying that the pilot, a man named Keith Kazer, was Bob Titmus, and Bob Titmus yeah. was involved. And of course, Bob Titmus was a taxidermist, and they said he was skinning them there after they shot them all and stuff like that. So the basic premise was they all went down there, John Green, DeHinden, uh, and, and Moffat, and all were all professional Canadian killers who were uh, down there. To wipe out this family of Sasquatch and cover the whole things up for the American government for some reason, and and Pilates fell for this. Bobby Short fell for this. Bobby was telling us, "My unnamed experts say that's Bob Titmus in that footage." And I said, "Well, who are your unnamed experts? Pilates and MK?" You know, it's not. Yeah. It's it's Keith Kazera. He's still alive. He lives, or at least he was then, back in 2010. He lives in Lethbridge, Alberta. We published all that. We published his flight log. We did everything to prove that uh, it wasn't even Timmons they were looking at. They just didn't want to hear it. Because yeah. it went against the narrator. And that's how it all came about. It's partially our fault because we wanted to get NK's opinion on certain aspects of the Blue Creek Mountain and, and the Patterson Gimlin film because we were working on the book Meet the Sasquatch at the time. Yeah. yeah. So we got uh, a bunch of questions uh, in, in the chat. So I'm going to, I got to scroll up a little bit. First, there was a question. Does anybody uh, know what happened to DDoS's channel? I've heard nothing about him, in the, but the whole channel has gone well. DDoS currently is incarcerated in a Texas prison for uh, uh, domestic violence charges, and he will not be eligible for parole towards the end of this year, I believe. So that's what happened to him. Uh, he was also he was also involved in that guy's show from Florida. Um, oh, his name's got on my head. I was a guest a couple of times. Uh, Audio only. Um, oh, oh, it's got on my head. Yeah, but DDoS was usually on there quite a bit. Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah he's uh, not going to get out till sometime close to 2022, and that's if only and only if he uh, gets paroled by then. He may mm. his sentence ends, I think, the end of 22 and in 2022. If I'm not correct, I can I can't pull it. Well, actually, I don't have the share screen up, so I can pull it up and tell you the exact. Uh, yeah, he's. Uh, I'm sorry. He's uh, the parole eligibility is uh, expected in October of 2021, but he uh, he had gotten sentenced to. Um, doesn't really say. Uh, so he he will be he could stay in there as uh, long as November of 2022, but at least on parole through then. So once he gets out. So that's unfortunate, uh, but sometimes you reap what you sow, unfortunately. Mm. Um, and it wasn't his first run in either. So, um, uh, and I like D. I did. Um, unfortunately, uh, you know, people have demons. So, uh, okay. So let's get back on the topic of the Bigfoot. Um, uh, hello to Bob Hip, my good friend Bob Hip, a longtime friend, popped in, said hello. Um, so we have eight minutes left to show, so we're gonna go through some of these questions as quick as possible. Um, people asked uh, where Bobby came into play. Well, Bobby was basically, uh, let me answer that one real quick. Bobby was basically starting to believe the story because you know, David Pilates was leaning on her. Uh, you know, MK was leading on her and, you know, she was up there in years, you know, people think she was a young woman. She wasn't, she was, uh, well into her seventies. Um, and then she passed away and now Steve is also claims that there's a murder conspiracy, uh, on that. Um, so, uh, there was something, uh, saying, uh, of, uh, okay. Two more questions we got. So, uh, first thing is, uh, also, um, uh, Eric Waltman says hello. Hello. Uh, <laughs> he says, uh, hello. Yeah, I haven't heard from you in a bit. Um, but uh, let's see. First, uh, the first question was, can you tell us something about Bill Miller? Bill Miller was an American from Illinois. He used to come up here all the time to do research. He was a good friend and a colleague, and he passed away October 1st. He, uh, when he wasn't involved in, in the Sasquatch field, he was well known in the Kennedy assassination crowd because, man, that man could tell you everybody that was in that Zapruder film, what he was doing, whatever it was, and what it was, and what happened to them later on in life. I mean, he knew everything about it. I mean, he was a, an absolute giant. When as a younger man, he was an absolute friend, of, uh, uh, absolute fan of President Kennedy. He thought he was the greatest thing sliced bread. And when Kennedy was assassinated, I think it really, really hurt him. And uh, like it hurt so many others, and yeah. he he wanted to get the bomb because he never ever bought the uh, the official explanation yeah. for the Kennedy assassination. And Bill's greatest um, contribution to the Bigfoot field, in my opinion, was uh, when we put together all worked together to put together that article, blowing up blowing that massacre theory out of the water, and he actually visited. Uh, um, the uh, Ford Motion Picture Lab in Seattle because he was doing something for the Kennedy assassination thing. He wanted to buy some old uh, 
Kodak 8mm, and he just happened to talk to somebody, and somehow the, uh, the subject of Bigfoot came up and said, oh, yeah, we developed that here. We showed it right on that wall right over there. <laughs> uh, oh, well, great. Who was that? Well, it was a businessman the first year, Aldi Atley. He put it, and then about a, uh, six or seven months later, a little cowboy showed up to have copies made. Roger Patterson. So I can tell you right now, the uh, four, all those questions of where was the film developed? It was developed the four motion picture lab at 306 Fairview Avenue, North Seattle, Washington. And I'll give you the go. phone number two. Well, there you go. <laughs> so Bill, Bill was great, and he was strictly zoological, common sense, and uh, and uh, I miss him a lot. Yeah. I'm sorry, that's not really Yeah, well, it, it, I miss John Green a lot. I miss Rennie a lot. I miss Robert a lot. I miss Grover a lot. I miss John Benene a lot, but you know we all get old, and it comes to an end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, last question we're gonna hit, um, and uh, if we have time, we'll get to Ken's question. The uh, what do you think of Justin Smeha's story? Uh, the guy who claims to have shot one. So I think. Kills. I think. I, I, I think it uh, has been proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that it was a. If there was anything shot, it was a bear. Yep. Yeah, agree. and I go along with what the, what the invest the follow up investigation came. Yeah. Uh, okay, Ken Collins's question: uh, What do you think of uh, Daniel Perez's breakdown on Patty? I think Daniel Perez has done a lot of work down there. I was down there with him myself in two thousand and three. His breakdown. I, well, well, has he come to a different conclusion than his original one? No, I don't think so. I think. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think he's, he's pr probably pretty well bang on the money. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He was wrong where the film location was for, for a while. Yep. Yeah. I I always knew knew where he's exactly it was. It was still there, but I think he was a little off. And I told him that. Matter of fact, in 2003, Daniel and I, there was a group going down there looking at the film site and they're going the wrong way down the creek. said, no, no, follow us. Let's take it. And we did, yeah, yeah, no, no. Uh, Daniel's conclusions of uh, of uh, Patty, I think, is pretty bang on, gotcha. unless he's changed it. Uh, I know he's coming okay. up with another publication soon on the whole subject. I don't know if he's changed it. I don't think so, yeah. uh, because I, I know he recently gave a lecture in Ohio. I and, didn't see it, so yeah. yeah, and nobody was was you know saying anything negative about it. And you know, oh, okay. if he had come out with a different result, people would have been yeah. saying, "Oh, I think you know." Yeah, yeah I, th I think I think he believes that it was an actual creature that day, yeah. Yeah. and I think he's bang on about the height estimates and stuff like that. He's probably right, but the, still, the biggest question is what the hell lens did he have on that damn camera? Yeah. So we are at the end of the show, just about. Tom, you have any final words for anybody? Anything you want to throw out there? Any projects uh, you do? Well, the big, biggest part right now, I'm looking at a. COVID's restricted my travel. I can't go in the United States. And now they're using COVID as an excuse to turn us into a show us your paper society. Yeah, We're not really allowed to travel outside our, our uh, medical zone. And there's oh, been tracks found recently not too far away that's out, I think is outside my medical zone. So I got a colleague looking into it for me. I won't wow. say anything about it until I know more about it. But it just happened uh, May 4th. Wow. And to people who want to get involved in this, Go for it, but for God's sakes, ninety-eight percent of what you see on YouTube and 
and the internet is well it's a it's a soapbox for every snake oil salesman out there 90 percent of it's absolute garbage stick to the facts never deviate the facts have a healthy dose of common sense nice yeah mike anything final you want to ask tom, uh, tom before we go tonight if, is anybody taking one of those cameras to Lake Kodak to, to see what they might think it is? I mean, I, I'm in Rochester, which is the home of Kodak, and yeah. uh, we have the Eastman the, we have the uh, George Eastman House, which it has a lot of those old cameras and video equipment. So, just wonder if anybody had reached out to them for that that equipment or that analysis. Well, again, it was in general because no one ever took down the serial number of the actual camera that Roger rented that day. It's even a, a long shot mathematical possibility that this might be it <laughs> because a buddy of mine picked this up for me in Washington state, but whatever, wow. well, whatever happened to the, the exact camera, nobody knows. Even, even uh, shepherd's camera shop has no idea what eventually happened to it, whether it got thrown out or whatever, but no one ever took. So he, and they didn't really did no record of what, what lens they had on the damn thing. Oh. So that's all they can tell you about it. So here's a little bit of insight I may have. I but, wonder. but one thing though, it's like I told you earlier, they're the ones that told me that this type of camera was actually, they stopped producing it in 1964. So you know, but there were still a lot of them around in 67. Yeah. Um, so I'm wondering if, if that complaint paperwork, because usually that paperwork floats around forever. You'd think. If that complaint paperwork actually has the camera serial number on it. I don't know. No one's ever checked on that. There we go. There's, there's a I, I went down there and I asked for paperwork. They said, oh, God. I mean, most of the old camera stuff is went with the old cameras. No, no. I'm talking about I'm talking about <laughs> the police, the police agency, the police paperwork. Oh, could be. I don't know. I wonder because if we which, which, police, which police force was it? Was it the Acoma Sheriff Department? Was it the state troopers? Was who who who, who well, it arrested would, it would, Roger Patterson? It would be, it would be yeah. in the court paperwork where he actually uh, had the charge. I wonder because that, they would have had to have the of the camera to put the charge in there. Right, so they would yeah. have the actual camera lens and the camera, mm -hmm. yeah. or if there's any additional equipment, or any additional equipment. Yeah, mm -hmm. they still don't know if Roger if. Uh, it, Bob doesn't think so, but some people think that there used to be a wooden handle, holding handle for the bottom of these things. See, you see the hole for it yep. right there. But uh, according to Bob, Roger never had a handle on the camera. He was holding it like this. Yeah. Yeah. And if you ever look through the lens of this thing, it's terrible. It's like looking through a pair of binoculars backwards. <laughs> <laughs> it's awful. It was Bob Gibbon that had a good look at the damn thing that day, not Roger. Yeah. Well, again, Thomas, I I'm so glad you came on. It's always a treat to have you on. Well, at least uh, you don't have to hold a phone over, though. Over yeah, I don't have to hold the phone. I'm, I'm not doing this tonight. What do you think, Tom? Uh, um, so that's awesome. Thank you, Mike, for, for sitting in for Chris. Thank you both for letting me be out here and. Make sure you guys hit that like and share button. I'll, yeah. I'll do that for Chris tonight. And great job, Mike. Keep searching, man. I'm glad you took a little time up for the show tonight, but appreciate you out there in the snow trying to find the evidence, man. That's what we Be should safe, do. brother. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you both. And, and we'll see you next week or this week, this upcoming weekend at the uh, Sasquatch Triangle Bigfoot Conference in Ohio, Coshocton, Ohio. 
So uh, who knows? We may get to tootle around in Salt Fork State Park for a little bit. Sounds like a plan. All right. So, folks, on behalf of everybody here, I just want to let everybody know in two weeks, we will be returning with Leon Smith from Bigfoot. I'm sorry, Leon from Bigfoot Okanagan and Steve Anderson from Curious Cryptid, who is actually in chat tonight. So there he is. Um, and, and these guys are brains. And, Tom, you know both of them as well. <laughs> and, uh, boy, you guys are going to be in for a mind trip. <laughs> <laughs> mind trip but it's going to be a great show that we will be returning here in two weeks which that means that should be 16 23rd I believe that would be may 23rd 2021 for episode 65 again we're going to have steve the curious cryptid and leon bigfoot okanagan and we'll have those guys on of course 9 p.m eastern here on youtube.com forward slash Steve Coles. So on uh, behalf of everybody here, we want to wish everybody a happy, safe, and a healthy week. Um, we are almost out of this COVID stuff, so let's keep our prayers that it's going to pass quickly. And uh, we'll catch you, of course, God bless, and of course, keep on squatching. Catch you all here in a couple of weeks. You've been watching Squatch DTV. Join us each week, Sunday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, for the latest on the Bigfoot mystery. As always, we thank you for being our loyal viewers and encourage all to subscribe to our YouTube page at youtube.com slash Steve Culls. As always, have a great week. Stay safe. God bless. And keep on squatching.